Good morning, everybody. Good to be with you once again this beautiful Sunday morning, the weekend after Easter. God is uh, still on the throne. Jesus is still risen. And uh, I read the back of the book, and we still win. Amen. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, here we are, ready to dive in once again to the Word of God. I hope you have your Bible open. And I got a message that the Lord put on my heart that uh, we're going to get back into our series in the Gospel of John. And uh, some interesting things here as we um, uh, get into this. So one thing I can say is that my wife and I have been enjoying for uh, the last uh, few days anyway, uh, TV series called The Chosen. I don't know if you've seen it. You can look it up on YouTube and it is there. It is another series based on the life of Jesus. Um, but I'll tell you, this one is really neat in the fact that it portrays the humanity of Jesus like nothing that I've ever seen. Even though it portrays him as the Son of God and, and the Messiah, um, and we're, we're only... Uh, the first season is done. There's eight episodes in the first season. And uh, uh, so we're not that far into the story of the ministry of Jesus. Uh, there's been some miracles and things like that. But uh, just I encourage you to uh, to watch it. Obviously, this is not historical. I mean, they are taking some what they call poetic license uh, in, in giving some of the background to the characters. But it really draws you in when you get a look at who is Peter and, and who is James and John and uh, uh, the different ones, Mary Magdalene and, and stuff. So I encourage you to watch that. We have some time maybe to, to watch some extra things. And uh, if you're going to binge something, binge Jesus, right? So anyway, I just wanted to throw that in because we've been enjoying it. So I hope you've been uh, doing well. Uh, again, as of today, uh, nobody has reported to me that they uh, have COVID-19. Uh, nobody seen nobody with that in the hospital, and we are just so so blessed, rejoicing in the Lord together as a church body. I've been praying for you guys every day, and uh, just. Trusting that God is going to keep us safe and he's going to be with us. And uh, I'm so thankful. So, so thankful. I could be a pastor in New York City uh, at this point in time. And I just, I can just imagine what they're going through. So we have a lot of blessings to count, even though some of us are facing difficulties and, uh, uh, and all. But, uh, you know, we're going to get through it because God's on the throne. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's dive into the word this morning, John chapter 1. Um, before I get there, though, I want to ask you a question. Uh, I want you to think about, or give you a little direction this morning, I want you to think about someone who has really impacted your life, a friend or a relative, someone that you know really well, and the more that you've gotten to know them, the more impact they've had on your life. Thinking of somebody? Okay. Uh, well, I've done a, a lot of funerals in a short, relatively short period of time here as a pastor of First Baptist Church. And in all of those calling hours and funerals, there have been all kinds of people uh, who knew 
the deceased in various ways, everything from a neighbor to a co-worker uh, to someone who is actually pretty much unknown to them, but a relative of a close friend, right? Someone, um, again, on the other end of the spectrum, somebody that they were close to, right? Um, personally. But each of those people saw this one person in a different light and from a different relational perspective. And I found myself on a lot of occasions wishing, uh, and even saying that, I, I wish that I had gotten to know them personally or had gotten to know them better because I knew that my life would have been richer for it. And I'm sure that there are at least one other person in your life that you would say, you know, if only you knew them like I do. In other words, if you don't, you're really missing out on a lot, right? And again, it all comes down to how you see them and thus how you relate to them, doesn't it? And as we're going to see in our next passage from John's Gospel, it's the same between us and the Lord. How we see him and thus how we relate to him is going to determine the impact that he has on our lives. John chapter 1, beginning at verse 35, says this. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. So here was... Uh, John the Baptist, probably standing there on the bank of the Jordan River where he was baptizing people. I guess you could say that uh, John was the pastor of the Jordan River Baptist Church, right? When suddenly, through the doors of this open outdoor church, walks none other but Jesus of Nazareth. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John points to him, and, and he cries out, and I'm going to paraphrase this for you, look, it's him. It's him, the one I told you one that was coming, the one I told you about, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There he is. Now, I think to really grasp this, you've got to factor in uh, what else John said and what was going on in the culture in that day. Uh, John already said in verse 26, I baptize with water, but among you stands one who you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Okay, so he's already planted the seed in, in those that were his disciples, right? Um, he's planted the seed in their hearts, and also in this culture, they had been taught from the time that they were real little that their Messiah, that the anointed king of Israel would be coming sometime. They've been waiting for generations, but he's coming, right? And and we talked about that last, last Sunday, uh, on Palm Sunday, uh, rather, um, when roughly uh, three years from when John is saying these words, 
the crowd will be shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, right? But at this point, he's only being identified to the congregation of the Jordan River Baptist Church, right? Actually, there was only two of them that the, the Bible talks about here, uh, two of John's members that were there that day, and then they ended up leaving. Talk about a bad day at church. Um, no, actually, uh, this was really a good, a very good day. Because you see, John was retiring anyway. How do I know that? Because he said, I must decrease and he must increase, right? Speaking of Jesus. So John's ministry is on the way out. Jesus is now coming to the forefront. But seriously, I, I want you to take a look at uh, verse 37. And here it says, the two disciples heard him say this, John that is, and they followed Jesus. Now watch this, verse 38. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? Hmm. Here they are introduced by John to a man. They don't even know his name at this point, but John says, this is him. This is him. This is the Messiah. This is the one that we've been waiting for. This is the one that I have been preparing you for, for months, right? So they go and they begin literally to follow Jesus around. And Jesus turns around and he says to them, what are you seeking? Now that's a loaded question, isn't it? What are you seeking? In other words, what are you looking for? Why are you here? Now that's an important question, isn't it? Do you remember the uh, story of the prodigal son? Now, when the prodigal son uh, had, had gotten his inheritance from his father, he was living it up. He had all kinds of money and he had all kinds of friends, right? And when the money ran out, guess what? So did the friends. Does that sound familiar, <laughs> right? They weren't, these people were not looking to build a real relationship with this guy. They just wanted what his money would buy, right? Fair weather friends, right? And when you look ahead at the ministry of Jesus as a whole, there were a lot of reasons why people came to him, weren't there? Some were hoping to see a miracle, ooh, right? They wanted to be entertained. Some were looking for a doctor to be healed. Some were looking for a prophet. Others were looking for a military leader that would deliver them from Rome. Some, after the feeding of the 5,000, even according to Jesus, were simply looking for a free meal. So what an important question that Jesus is asking these two men, right? What are you looking for? Why are you here? Because the answer to that question is going to determine the kind of relationship that they're going to have with Jesus and therefore what kind of impact he's going to have on their lives. Likewise, in our day, right, the name of Jesus is pretty well known in America, I would think, in our culture, right? Um, some positively, some negatively. And people, they come to Jesus looking for different things, don't they? Some are looking for maybe a spiritual Santa Claus to answer all their prayers, right? Happens. Some are seeking maybe a religion to 
fulfill this spiritual part of their lives so they can be kind of a well-rounded individual, right? To some, he has been identified as the lamb who takes away sins. So they seek in Jesus maybe something like fire insurance against judgment day, right? They just, they want their sins forgiven. They want to know that they're ready. And they're kind of like, okay, did that. Now um, I'll, I'll call you in judgment day when I need you, right? Uh, some perhaps see in Jesus a connection to God that they can fit into their lives when it's convenient. A lot of reasons why people come to Jesus what they're looking for, what they're expecting, right? These two disciples in verse 38, they answer Jesus. Here's what they answer him. They say, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Now, again, it's important that you and I understand the culture of the day. Because in Israel, there were many rabbis or teachers that gathered around them students called disciples. Even in the non-Jewish world, there were other so-called holy men and philosophers who had disciples. This was kind of a, a common thing in that day for a teacher to, to be exalted and to have a group of students around them as disciples. This was not something that, that was invented in the Gospels. It wasn't something that was started by Jesus. It was a common practice of the day. But this disciple relationship was unique because to be someone's disciple was to say, I want to be just like you. And so when they entered into that relationship, they left their former way of life. It's kind of like, you know, people that go back to college full time, right? They're, they're, they're coming out of the job market. They're going into college. They become a full time student, right? It's a, it's a whole life change. And it's the same thing here. They leave their former way of life to come under the teaching and the training of that rabbi, that teacher, that master. Use the, word, the gospel uses the word master. John refers to Jesus. He says master. Peter says master, right? How many Star Wars fans in the audience, right? Um, in that case, there was one master to one disciple called a Padawan, right? Anakin uh left home he left his mother right to go where obi-wan went he went to learn the ways of the force from obi-wan to follow him around to be by his side to follow his commands that was that teacher disciple relationship it was a relationship that was voluntary but it was extremely committed right to whole life change so when Jesus asks these two what they're seeking, they answer, Rabbi, where are you staying? In other words, they were saying, we want to be your disciples. We want to go where you go. We want to stay where you stay. We want to learn from you. We want to follow your commands. We want to learn life from you so that ultimately we might become like you. That's where all of that was wrapped up in their answer. And Jesus turns to them again and he says, come and you will see. Come and you will see. Now in his 
reply that I think was prophetic myself. He was not simply directing them to the physical location of where he would sleep that night. He was, but not just that. Because I think what he was saying to them after learning what was in their hearts, what he's really saying to them is that he is accepting them into that relationship. And he's also speaking to them about their future. If this is what you really want, come and see what this is all about. Come and follow me. Come and learn from me, right? Can you feel the excitement of the disciples as they're being accepted by Jesus into this apprenticeship? They're gonna learn about life from who else? But the Lord of creation. Wow, <laughs> I mean, wow, right? Now, on the contrary, think about those who came just looking for a miracle. What would they get? They would see God's power from afar, wouldn't they? Those who came only to be healed, what did they get? Temporary physical relief, right? Probably get sick down the road again with something else, right? Those who came for a meal, what did they get? They got their stomachs filled for a couple of hours. See, if that's all they wanted, that's all they got. But those who came to follow, those who came to put their lives in his hands, those who came to give themselves to him, they found the life of God. The life of God. In him, remember, we, we talked about this. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That life that people search their whole lives for and don't find in the things of this world, they find in Jesus. So, not only as we continue on with the story, right, and in, into through the gospel into the book of Acts, not only were these men and others greatly impacted by Jesus, but they turned around and impacted the world, the likes of which nobody had ever seen before. Wow, awesome, right? So let's bring that forward to you and me. When you and I come to Jesus, what are we looking for? That's a question that you and I really need to seriously think about. When I come to Jesus, what am I really looking for? Am I looking for someone just to fit into my life and, and say, okay, you get Sunday mornings for an hour and a half, right? You get a little bit of time over here. The rest of it's my time. Does that ever happen? It does, right? Or are we um, looking to him to, to, to be there when, when, when we need our prayers answered? Are we looking to him uh, merely to have our sins forgiven? So, okay, whew, I'm going to heaven, right? What are we truly looking for when we come to Jesus? Because what we're looking for is essentially what we're going to get. And that's essentially all we're going to get. 
to experience the fullness of God. You and I need to come to the place where we're not trying to fit him into our box and our expectations. But you and I need to come to the place where we're saying, okay, Lord, I'm coming to you. Whether you do things I want to do or, or do things I don't want to do, I'm following you. It's interesting in this uh, uh, series that Kathleen and I have been watching. There's one part where um, uh, they're, they're going to go into Samaria. And if you remember, uh, the, the Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. Uh, the Samaritans were considered half-breeds because they, uh, when, when a country would take over another country, they would repopulate people. So that, that area was a mixture of Jews and non-Jews, and they intermarried, and they, they worshipped God Almighty, and they worshipped other gods, and it was this whole mixture, and, and the Jews wanted nothing to do with that, right? That was what their law said, don't, don't intermarry, don't worship, worship other gods. So they hated the Samaritans. You just hated them, right? So they, they, they would always go around. They, they wouldn't go through Samaria if they needed to get to the other side. They would go around because they wouldn't defile their feet walking through the dirt of that country. Jesus, in, in the story, he wants to go into Jerusalem. And that, that's, that's in the scriptures. Um, and they start giving him a hard time. No, we're, we, we can't defile ourselves and go there. We, we, we got to do this. We got to go around. We got to do this. got to do that. And Jesus said, whoa. Well, listen, if you're, if you're going to, if there's going to be a debate every time I make a decision, this isn't going to be a fun time for any of us, right? Uh, it was, it was comical. You, you have to see it. A little spoiler warning there. But uh, yeah, this, this relationship with Jesus has got to be on his terms. He's got to be Lord, he's got to be the one that's calling the shots. If we are going to experience the true life of God, the life that we were created for, we need to come loosely holding on to us, loosely holding on to the things of this world and saying, okay, Jesus, what do I want? I want you. Not, not my little picture of you. I want you in your fullness. I want to follow you. I want to learn from you. I don't want to fit you into my preconceived notions of what I believe here or there. I want you to teach me. I want you to show me what life is all about. And just like these disciples would ultimately be impacted by the power and life of God and turn around and impact the world. And I'm not saying that everybody has to, you know, quit their jobs and uh, if you still have one, um, but quit their jobs and, and read the Bible 18 hours a day and, uh, and, and go preaching on the streets. I'm not saying that. The, the life of God is just as much in um, the marketplace as it is in the temple, right? We see that in the scriptures. So I'm not telling you that, that God's calling us all to um, a, a life of studenthood in that sense. But what I am saying is that he has a calling for every single one of us to the best life we can have in 
our lives, in our families, in our workplaces, in our social circles, um, that Jesus wants to do a work in us and he wants to do a work through us. Amen? So, to you and to me, the question comes to us this morning, and I hope you take this to prayer. What are you seeking? What are you looking for? Why are you here? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. I have to admit, Lord, there are some things uh, that you say, that you do, that are perplexing to me, that are confusing to me, and it doesn't always fit my grid. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Help us to let go of our fears of the unknown. Help us to let go, Lord, of our hold on this world's goods. Help us to come to you with our arms open wide into the open arms of God, knowing, Lord, that you have for us a life that is beyond our wildest dreams, a life that is full, a life that uh, is abundant. You said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Lead us into it, Lord. Show us how it's done as we give ourselves to you. Thank you. We praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Uh, well, I think I'm going to have to go to the keyboard here and uh, record a little something, a uh, song to go with this. But uh, uh, this will be the end of the message and uh, this part anyway. And know that you're loved. I uh, you need anything. Give me a call. Uh, we're all in this together. We're going to make it through. We're going to come back together again. Uh, but until we do, I encourage you, stay connected as a family. Get in on the Zoom meetings. Get in on the uh, phone calling one another. If you haven't done that, I have wonderful reports of people connecting with people. It's been great. People have been excited and encouraged and, and uplifted. Uh, we've still been the church, right? Even though we haven't been in the building, we are still functioning as the church, and it is a blessing. You are a blessing. I love you. We'll talk to you again soon. God bless.